you start to craft your message or your campaign in a shape and form where you're putting yourself, your company, or your your product in the center of it all, and you're putting your marketing, your campaign as the hero, right? Your your product is the hero that solves everything. We forget that the product is nothing without the people using that product. This is Brand Story, a podcast featuring in-depth conversations with leaders, marketers, and brand storytellers about their professional journey and the impact they're making on the world around them. Welcome to the Brand Story Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gilman, and my guest today is Michael Smith. Michael is an accomplished brand and creative director and is currently the brand director for Fountain. And he spent many years with American Express as director of brand strategy, global advertising, and brand management. And he also worked as a brand manager for brands like Unilever and Avon. Hi, Michael. Thanks for being on the podcast. Hi, Steve. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you today. Um, You've had such a breadth of experience, and you've worked in many different industries and in a lot of different segments, and also worked in B2C and B2B. And I think that's really unique. And, you know, you and I got to talk a little bit before this episode, and I think you have a lot of points of points of view on being a brand manager and some of the things we'll talk about. I think this is going to be a really fun conversation. Looking forward to it. As a brand manager, I imagine that what you do is provide leadership of one kind of another or another to a lot of different people in a lot of different situations. Um, so what's what's a surprising thing that you've learned about leadership? Something that maybe you didn't expect over the years? <laughs> well, I guess when uh when you're coming out of college and you're thinking of leadership, you think you have to be this person that has all the answers and clearly dictates what has to be done. Um, but then as you step into leadership and you have more of a leading role, you start to realize that you don't always have the answers and actually leaning on your team and leaning on the expertise of the individuals on your team is really what leadership is about. And it's bringing those thought leaders together um, and pushing it all together in the same direction. So that's that's for me what is leadership versus what I thought leadership might have been going into college. It's amazing how many people think leadership is being bossy and telling people what to do. And you know, there's a surprising amount of empathy in leadership and listening. And that's one of the things that I think that you're really in touch with, knowing you know, having talked to you and knowing a little bit about you. So how much do you think you're really just listening to others? <laughs> well. Uh... I know I consider myself a little bit of a talker and I have to remind myself and be completely honest. Sometimes I have to remind myself like, Mike, stop talking. Um, but I think empathy when it comes to just brand management overall is a key factor of success. And why I mean empathy is, why do I think is empathy is important? It's um, not necessarily only about leading the, your team. It's also when you're in brand and marketing, you have to have empathy with your customers. You have to have empathy with your target audience and understanding the people around you, the stakeholders, the people that you're working with, but also the people that you're serving um, and trying to, for the lack of a better term, persuade to buy your products or your services. I mean, that is, if you don't understand what their needs are and where they're coming from, I mean, then you're just not, you're going to have a hard time being successful. Yeah, there's an awful lot of... uh arrogance sometimes in marketing where oh yeah you know marketers <laughs> just assume they know i know my target audience i know what they need and what they want absolutely absolutely like especially when we think oh yeah we have all this research we have all this data i asked twenty thousand people and they said 
you know, the best way to talk to you is by putting a huge, um, you know, taking over a huge billboard in Times Square and just talking down at you and telling you what you need to buy. Um, and uh, yeah, you could get, you could be fooled if you use the data the wrong way, for sure. And marketers are, they tend to be, um, yeah, legendary in that, <laughs> especially when you first start off. Yeah. yeah, when you're a young marketer, that's part of like maybe the attraction and then yeah. part, part unfortunately, and then part of just a trap people fall into. Oh, and I think, I think it can be cultural. You know, you're coming at things from only what you know. And you're thinking that an audience is a monolith and not a you know, group of individuals. So I think empathy and marketing and brand are probably the top skill. Oh, I mean, I, I completely agree. Uh, I think they all go, yes, absolutely all hand in hand. Um, and it's something that very often marketers or leaders in marketing positions tend to forget. I'm sure they're aware of it, but then once you're in the heat of the battle, sometimes you just lose sight and you're like, oh yeah, the data is saying this. And so I'm just going to follow the data and use that as an excuse. Um, when in fact, just, you know, talking to your customers and really to get to know their context, that is essential. Um, without that, you, you don't really understand them because data can only tell you so much, but the conversations focus groups to a certain extent, um, gives you a little bit more of the core, the, the softer uh, context of, of the data. It's really interesting how sometimes the, there's sort of a divide between B2B and B2C, and I know you've done a lot yeah. of both kinds of marketing, where you know B2B marketers feel like, well, I, all business people make decisions logically. They don't. They don't use emotion. They're not. They park that at the door because they're business people. You know. <laughs> so when you're working, oh, absolutely. Yeah. So how often did you run into that kind of thought process? Oh my God. I mean, when I transitioned over from the B2C world. Um, Actually, I came, so I came from Avon. My last gig in the B2C world was being a global brand manager in Avon and actually for a hair care, a hair care brand. Um, and as I was transitioning, I, start, I had a small startup. I tried my luck. This was 2012. And, uh, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm a hotshot. I know exactly what to do. And, you know, <laughs> fell flat on my face. But I learned a lot. And, what, and the business I was in really was more on the B2B side social data analytics and tapping into social media. And um, that was my first, you know, experience into how B, how to start building B2B marketing messaging. And obviously I didn't crack the code at that point in time. And, and you might say I might still not have, but you, I started to find out that I, I really like that. I really like B2B because it tends to be a little bit of an open space, a little bit of the wild west when it comes to marketing still. Um, I think marketers haven't quite figured it out just yet um, or brand people. Um, and so I joined American Express after that um, as, the brand, as a brand strategist. And that's where you start to... One thing, yeah, where you start to really dive into yeah, getting to know the customer. Um, and I had obviously the arsenal of, of the research of American Express on hand. And one of the things that I've learned at that business, um, at that organization was really how to put the people in the center of everything you do. And what we mean by that is, or what I, what I started to realize was that at the end of the day, marketing is, you're marketing to people. Right. The people 
are the ones that are going to make a decision, the buying decision, if they're going to go with your service or not. Now on the B2C side, you might be more playful, you might have more leeway to be quirky, however you want. Um, and on the professional side, you, you might not want to go always down that route because, of course, you're seeking to build trust with your audience. But at the end of the day, the person making the decision, if they're going to write the check for your service, is that manager, that director, that VP, that CEO. And that person has personal interest, might have personal agendas that you have to take into consideration. It's not just about hey, we can give you cheap service or, hey, we can give you most effective and efficient. But sometimes it's also like that decision maker there wants to get the best tool for their team or wants to look good with their boss, right, and and advance in their career. So sometimes those kind of things is what you have to take into consideration and really put the human being in the center of that, not the business. You're talking to a human. You're not talking to that business. I love how you put that. And I think it's, that's something that I've seen in B2B too, is that there are so many B2B marketers that think everyone's buying, a, bu buying logically and buying because of proof points and features and benefits. And it's just almost a crime because people in B2B, like you said, are people and people are emotional beings. So they want something. They have hopes, they have dreams. I think what is also important is, is that they they have opinions of brands, right? And brands that they want to be associated with. Now, this other brand might be more cost-effective, but if they take brand B, they might look better. They like that. It's it's a good better dinner story, right? Um, it's also something that they want to associate themselves with. Like, I don't want to be associated with a no-name brand. Maybe they're much better, but, you know, I don't know who they are, and I don't want to be associated with them. But I want to be associated with this brand because I know that they're well-known around the world. They might not be most cost-effective, and they might not even have the best customer service. But, you know, I'm going to go with them because if by association, I look good, we look credible, and so therefore I'm going to take this brand B. Now, that is not always the case, obviously, but those things do do factor in. I think it's it's more often the case than not because I think people I think people make buying decisions probably 90% emotionally and then convince themselves with proof points that they made that decision logically. <laughs> I think that's what human beings do in almost every buying scenario. I'm guilty. I'm guilty <laughs> of that buying. <laughs> every time I go into buying decisions sometimes I'm like, "Oh yeah, this is my price point." And I go there and then I see a price point that might be 30% higher and you see the other one that's 30% lower, but you're going like, yeah, but you know, this is a brand I like, actually, I'm going to go with this. And that's the power of brands, right? It power of a strong brand um, gives you as business, the opportunity to, on the one hand, on the, especially on the B2C side, drive volume, right? Um, but also um, command a price premium. And so increase your margins. Because at the end, sometimes certain products are coming out from the same factory. It's the same factory coming from the same producers, but putting that one logo on there just increases the price tag by 300%. And that's a phenomenon, but people like that. And I am guilty. And maybe that's why I'm in brands because I, I do like brands. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm guilty too. And I think it's, <laughs> you, you know, you mentioned association, you know, people want to join tribes and be part of things. We are, we are humans. So we want to join and be part of something. And there is a certain implied warranty or cachet of like, 
in a business environment, if I chose this brand because the brand says something, it means something, and it means something to me, and everyone will think my decision was good. But then personally as well, we, we make these decisions not logically. We make these decisions emotionally because that's just how we're built. You know, so I, a strong brand, I think, is the differentiator. And I love what you just said when saying belonging to a tribe. Yes, it is. Yeah. It, it, it is very much is so. And the human beings, they seek that connection to others. And that's the identifier, oh, I belong in this tribe. So um, obviously, through brands, you can have multiple brands. You can belong to various different tribes at different levels, whatever, you know, different situations. But yes, I, uh, I like that. Yeah, I think it's just one of the things that we do. And I find it fascinating, too, because I love watching, you know, uh, consumer behavior, whether that's on the B2B or B2C side. But I've always been fascinated that B2B marketers think it's different. And there are there are nuanced differences, of course, because you're not buying personally and you're buying for an organization. And there might be more due diligence around price or et cetera. But still, brand is going to carry the day most of the time. Absolutely. And um, and I think that's the exciting part about B2B. Um, you don't see... You don't see yet many like brands going down that purpose-driven world yeah. um, or on the B2B side, at least, uh, or infusing it with emotion. And But you're starting to see more and more brands trying. They're trying to show up funnier. They're trying to show up more understanding with a human common phrase you see here in corporate world is how we have to infuse more humanity into our marketing um whatever that really means but but um i think that's that's the exciting part about b2b because you have everyone's trying to figure out and so it's it's fun it's it's a little bit of a wild west and um it's a very fun ever-changing area to be in um whereas b2c i think Yes, that too, especially with new technology, but at the same time, B2C has a little bit of a formula down, right? We, um, one of the things I've learned when I went to Unilever and Avon was really, okay, how to craft the message, how to craft the design and set up a campaign and, and how to really go from, hey, did you know about this newest product to detailing the technology behind the product and all that stuff. And so... It's um, it, there is a formula there, and and I think in B two B, there might might be in certain occasions, but I think a lot of marketers are, are trying to figure it out and trying to find that hybrid world in between, based on all the things we just talked about. Yeah, I agree, and I think it it makes it a lot of fun, and I think it is in some ways the wild west because, you know, there are so many different kinds of companies with different brand stories and different backgrounds and reasons to exist, and so many that just don't tell their story very well. Um, <laughs> Or don't have a story or, you know, don't really have a story. They have products. Yeah. They just don't have a story. Exactly. We're here to make business. Yeah. <laughs> We're here to make business. Yep. That's, that's really funny. So how important do you think story is to, to a company and a marketing? I mean, personally, I love stories. And my wife would always say, oh, my God, here comes Mike. He's a storyteller. Uh, he loves stories because I always think it is, it does boil down to, to the story you can tell um, and the, the brand purpose, if you so want. Um, now, I know we were just joking about that, yes, that our brand purpose is to make money kind of thing. But at the end of the day, um, like studies have shown again and again, especially on the B2C side, right, that purpose-driven brands or brands with a very strong focus on a reason to be um, uh, just outperform those that are just like, trying to push product right 
And, and if you take that into consideration, then more companies should be doing this. Now, why is that they're not? It, it could be that, um, to your point, it could be just, just people have a hard time when it comes to selling a business product and infusing it with some kind of emotional background or emotional purpose, right? Um, and, and, I'm, and, and sometimes, you, you know, I think when people think about purpose, they all think about like, I don't know, uh, Patagonia or like big brands that really make a difference in the world and are changing things. And sometimes brand purpose can be very simple. It can just be, you know, like uh, consistency. It could just be that. If, if that's your purpose and you, and you want to make sure that consistency is across everything, well, that's that's what brings everyone together internally um, through all of your employees, your marketing, your communications, all the touch points, you focus on consistency, right? And so um, that's what a brand purpose does and, and it really hones in all the energy and that's what makes you uh, 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 successful. And so sometimes I think we we marketers and we brand folks, we try to over-engineer things because now all of once like a CEO comes down and says, hey, give us a brand, like let's think about the brand purpose and then we try to have too much fun and over emotionalize things and when in fact we can just keep it crisp and to the point and i think that's the hardest part about finding brand purpose is really tweaking and tweaking and tweaking down to the point where you might have just one two three words that best describe what is it that you're doing what's your essence of existence why is the brand here and why are we getting up every single morning and the crisper we can do that the better you then can communicate and get your own employees to get motivated and, and back the brand. Yeah, that's really well said. I, I'm really glad you said that. And I think the thing you said about Patagonia, I think, is what gets in people's way. Is they think about their own brand and they're like, well, I'm not Patagonia, so I might as well give up. I mean, I love Patagonia. Yeah, don't so do wrong, I. But, but, um, but yes, not everyone's Patagonia. And you don't have to. You don't have to be. Exactly. But it's like we're all showing up for a reason. And if there is a founder and there is a story, it's a, the business came out of somewhere and there is a reason for it to exist. And most of those reasons are going to be emotional. Yeah. You know, so I think it's just this weird thing in business where people just aren't comfortable with with emotional reasons. You know, they want they want factual reasons. I guess I guess. Yeah, they haven't gone. They haven't gotten um, uh, comfortable with emotional reasons because they can't really back it up to your point with facts. Um, and it's it's also something, you know, it is a little bit of a, a challenge, especially when it comes to startups um, or like fast growing companies where you are pushed by investors to be very data driven and show the results. And then early on early stages i understand because you're focused on sales and product but as you grow as a business and the brand becomes more of that unifier across your services and your products then then there needs to happen there a mind shift needs to happen where it's no longer about short-term metrics that build the success of the company but um it's also sits alongside long-term metrics that you know build the brand and the brand is more of a marathon. The brand is more of a, you know, a plant that you nurture and you like grow over time. And it's not a sprint or, you know, just like a quick fixes and, and um, quick successes. And so that's where sometimes that's a challenge with, with, with smaller businesses that are growing up. Um, and then I think larger businesses, especially the large enterprises, they're starting to realize these things. I'm really glad you brought that up because I think the there's a point in life cycle, whether it's with a startup or a younger company, where you're absolutely right. They have to build a user base or they have to build 
it's all about sales and those kind of metrics. And But if they don't make the switch, if there isn't that moment, then that's where businesses fail. That's what I've seen. You know, so I think that's really interesting. And then there's the, I think something you and I talked about very briefly once was the, just people trying to use performance metrics when they're talking about brand is just, it's just not the same thing. That's the age old question, right? When it comes to uh, putting value behind your brand. Now, if you're the size of Coca-Cola and those are very large brands where, or like Nike, where you don't even have to put the name Nike out there and you just have that swoosh. I mean, then, you know, everyone knows in the company, the value of the brand and the logo and what that means for the products and so on and so forth. Um, but when you're, when you're, when you're a company that, um, doesn't have that distinguishable logo or that, that brand presence or awareness, such as the Coca-Cola's of the world, um, it gets hard for, for leadership then to, to, like to explain to leadership what's the quantification and what's the value of your brand, right? Um, and that's where data is always time. Well, show me the data. <laughs> what are the metrics? What should we be tracking against that? And then if you say, well, you know, there are metrics such as um, brand affiliation, brand attributes, uh, brand awareness. Those are a little bit softer metrics, not awareness necessarily, but all those things. And that's where it gets a bit harder to to see what's the what's the for the younger companies, of course. What's the how do we build value and how do we track that? And so, yes, I've ran into that a couple of times, and and it's always an education thing. And it also comes down to how open is leadership to to really um, putting their arms around brand and supporting it over the long run. And the leadership teams that learn to are always the most successful because it isn't sustainable without an investment in brand and without. Uh, a real commitment to it, but it is some, you know, some, some leadership teams, depending on the pressure, depending on investors can't get there. And it's a real shame because while it's not as quantifiable, it's kind of like saying that your reputation isn't, you know, as a human being, isn't quantifiable. Ooh, I love that. Wow. It's pretty Steve, hard. That to, was great. <laughs> pretty, I love that one. Uh, yes. Yeah. It's a, it's pretty hard to say what the value of that is. Like put a dollar amount on if people think you're a jerk. You yeah. know, like, and if people, or if people respect you, what's the dollar value of that? Well, oh, I love we that. all, I love that. we all know Let's it's a real that. thing and we all put a lot of effort into it every day, especially business people. But you try to quantify your reputation. It's like, you know, and brand and reputation are so intertwined. I think that's a, such a great uh, analogy and, and, you know, one, of course, a lot of brand people use, but, um, just like comparing a brand with a person walking into a room, right? And, um, what, what are the signals that that person sends off? What is that person wearing? How did they come across? That is your brand, right? And so do you want to, like, do you want to show up consistently as always that same, you know, that kind of look and feel and tone? Um, so person recognizes, oh yeah, you know, Mike just walked in the room or are you going to show up every single time very completely different, like schizophrenic, like you're all doing different things from A to Z, right? So people think I can't rely on Mike. I never know. What I'm yeah, doing. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Or I don't know where I never know when Mike is going to pop by and who, who he will be. Yeah. And I don't know where I stand with him because I, I feel unsafe. Exactly. That, unsafe or I can't trust him or whatever. So 
So uh, yeah, so how do you quantify that? And so if you just say, if, if you use that, just like, look, we just want to make sure that we have a consistency there and that people recognize us when we walk in the room. That's already, that's a great achievement. I love that analogy. Like, we could do this all day. Um, I love that <laughs> analogy because it's, you know, when you walk into a room and the way you're dressed, the way you present, the way you greet people, all those little intangibles, all those expressions, all those signals are a story. You are telling a story and companies are the same way every touch point, every experience. You know, I've, I've worked with a lot of companies where you start talking about the little touch points and customer service and all the little things that are happening. And a lot of it is minutia and it's maddening to try to get it right. But it, boy, does it matter. Brand, brand experience, it matters so much. You know, oh, consumer absolutely. will write you off. Yeah, it's crazy. What's something that you as a brand manager do that most people have no idea that they just don't realize? <laughs> Um, I'm still trying to explain it to my parents. So. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he does advertising. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, a little bit. That's one piece of it. I mean, I guess as a, as a brand manager, um, in most cases, you, stay, you come in as a brand manager and the brand already exists. And so what I mean by it already exists is from a visual design, all the pieces are there, the colors, the logo, um, the packaging, if it's a consumer goods product. And, um, and also like how, how you should, the tone of voice and all that stuff. So people might already recognize your brand. Um, but your role there is to really be that, um, that steward of the brand, really. Where do we now want to take it next? How do we want to position our brand um, versus other competitors, um, especially looking at new trends that are happening in the market. Are we as a brand positioned to dive into that trend and own that trend? So be associated with that trend? Or are we someone that wants to stay away from certain things? And and who is the audience that we now want to go after? Are we stay, sticking to our core audience or are there areas of expanding the business? So as a brand manager, I tend to look at, at it from a, on one hand, it's very strategic because you are somewhat like a a business owner, you're an entrepreneur, you're running your own business, which is your brand. Um, and you're also, as part of that business owner, you're also managing the portfolio of products that make up your brand. So your brand might not, it's not only about the logos and the colors and so on and so forth, but it's also all the different products, the touch points that you just mentioned, right? Customer service and sales interactions. All those things are things that you can then, those are levers and you can you know, twist and turn and up and down and change um, to position your brand better to those trends and market shifts as I was, or opportunities um, as I was saying earlier. And then the last part, so once you build a strategy and you define all of those things, you then go ahead and really build the campaign. You then say, okay, how are we now, now that we have this plan and this objective, how do we build out a marketing plan, a campaign, which most people would call, uh, to to go out and, and, and market our products to reach this audience. Um, and then you work very closely with the agencies, the real creatives on the job um, that build out the campaign. And my job then as a brand manager would not be to tell them exactly, you know, I, I want this idea, that idea, but it's more to provide the guardrails, the directions, the, the budget limits, right? Um, and then have them go ahead and, and do do what they do. It's very holistic. 
You know, it's very like, it, you see, I keep on trying to explain that. I yeah. try, I, I, no, I think you did time. a great job, but I, good luck. Your parents are never going to get it. You <laughs> I, know, exactly. I keep on trying. I think it's one of those things where if they, if they're like, you do advertising, you do marketing, you do <laughs> management, you do all this stuff. And you're just like, yes, I, yes, yeah. sure. I do all of that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It is a very complex, very holistic role. And I think it's a fascinating thing to do for a living and, and it never gets boring. That's for sure. Exactly. That's one of the things I love about this job is it really doesn't get boring. Um, it is one of those things where you as a marketer sometimes have to step away because you can get into, you can fall into that tunnel, right? Into that you just see, you keep on doing the same things in a very repetitive way. And that's when it can get dangerous as a marketer, as a brand person to just get too comfortable. Um, and as much as we all love to cruise and, you know, we have enough other things happening in our lives, um, as a marketer to stay, you have to stay a little bit on your toes as a brand person, you have to stay on your toes to, to keep that wide open view of the world of the market of the brands around you. So you constantly are learning, you're adapting. And so, um, that's why I sometimes, uh, like to throw myself into new job opportunities and, um, seek out new challenges, right? That's one of the things I love about, uh, you know, our company, we work in all these different sectors. And so, uh, you know, something I learn in manufacturing, I can then bring to healthcare something from healthcare I can bring into financial. And I think really great marketers, what I've found is a lot of the marketers that I've had on the podcast or that are friends of mine, friends of mine, or that I talk to are almost like Renaissance people. They learn a lot about a lot. They are students of human beings and behavior. They're part sociologist. They're part construction manager. They're part, you know, it's a very, it's a very 360 sort of way to look at the world. So you have to be interested. You know, you have to be a person who's interested in other people and what makes them tick and then what they're doing. You can't just be like, oh, I don't like that. You have to have a unique curiosity. Right. You just yeah, you really have to be curious. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. is, which is fun. Um, I mean, it's tiring sometimes because you always have to relearn things. Um, but that's also the fun about it. Right. So you're, yeah, you're learning all at once how to, you know, the difference of different plastic packaging. Um, and then what does that mean for the environment or what does that mean for logistics and so on and so forth? So absolutely, because you're the center of that, that wheel that is working with all these other experts from finance to, to logistics, supply chain, and so on and so forth. And that's the fun part about the job. And that's why I like what I do. Yeah. That's so cool. And you know, that way, if your parents think you're in research too, you can be like, yes. <laughs> I mean that yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. Whatever makes you happy, mom. That's that works for me. So, what's the what's one thing that you've noticed that marketing or brand in marketing or brand that people focus on too much or something they don't focus on enough? Well, not enough. Let's start with there. Something that they don't focus on. Sometimes, and I think I said it earlier. I think sometimes we for marketers tend to forget who who they're talking to. Um, going back to what you said earlier is like a little bit of that arrogance where you start to craft your message or your campaign in a shape and form where you're putting yourself, your company or your, your product in the center of it all. And you're putting your marketing, your campaign as the hero, right? Your, your product is the hero that solves everything. When in fact, what we forget is that the people, we forget that the product is nothing with the people using, without the people using that product, right? So the heroes of the story are the people 
making change or creating something through your product. Your product is an enabler to that, right? And that's, I think, something that a lot of times marketers tend to forget. And so that's why you see in copy, like a lot of times in advertising copy, it's like, you know, this product will do this X, Y, Z, blah, 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 blah. When in fact, what about this product will allow you to, you know, it's, it's, it's more, it's more of a, it's a, it's a very subtle shift, but one of my, uh, um, one of my previous leaders, uh, who's, I'll even shout her, shout out her name, Kathleen Lefebvre. I think she's, she's amazing at Amex. And, um, one of the phrases she always used was, uh, it's a, it's a quote. It's a famous quote. Um, you know, we're selling, we're selling, we're selling the outcome. So we're selling the hole in the wall, not the drill. And that is so true. And if you use that and you focus on the outcomes and you and you see yourself and you position your product as the, as an enabler, as a support, as a stepping stone to allow that customer or that business to achieve what they're seeking out to do. And if you use that perspective, then it's more humbling. It's more genuine. And I think that also builds more trust. So that's the missing part. I think these days there has been a big shift. So as exactly towards those kind of stories, the, the way of that mindset that I was talking about, I think marketers have started to recognize that shift. I think marketers have started to recognize that it's not all about selling. It's about creating experiences, as you said earlier. Um, and, and that shift you're seeing in through more and more in advertising and the way we tell stories, the way we engage customers. And um, I think that's something that marketers across some brands, a lot of some brands have been doing very well. Um, now don't put me on the spot right now, but marketers are have been starting to put the people in the center now more so, um, especially, you know, since the pandemic and, and realizing that it's, it's not always, always just about sales. It's, it's about creating that purpose, creating those, that, that, that experience that, um, allows people to trust your brand and your product. Yeah. It's a really great trend to see. And I think, you know, marketers, letting go of some of the marketing arrogance and realizing that it's not about you. And it's like, you know, you can, you see a lot of web copy or a lot of copy period. That's like, we're great. We're awesome. Not, not we're solving a problem for you and it's about you. You know, I think that's something that I always try to remind, you know, clients or people I work with is that this is about the consumer a hundred percent of the time. Absolutely. Because they decide with their wallets, right? Yeah. And if we keep them in the center of everything we do, we're going to succeed. Something I just love that you said is you, you talked about brand being almost like guardrails, you know, how, how a brand is a little bit like guardrails and how do you, it's so complex. And I think this is where a lot of marketers get overwhelmed and depending on the size of the company is how do you keep your brand messaging, messaging consistent? when you're creating so many different things and there are so many different touch points. Okay. So going back to purpose, I think it's anchors there. Um, so the kind of, the way I, the way I tend to build those kind of things uh, for brands, at least in my head is strategists love building frameworks, right? The different building blocks and the pillars and so on and so forth. But that's the way I organize my thoughts. And, and that's very much how I also organize brands in my head. Um, and it really centers around, all right, again, what's that brand purpose? And if we can get very crisp on that, then you can identify uh, the key attributes of the brand that you want to make sure get across in everything we do. And that those attributes also, of course, they have to be tied to that purpose, right? So if you, if you, can, if you can craft that, 
if you can really crack that code and, and, and it makes sense and, it, and everyone in the company or majority of the people in the company can resonate with that and see the linkage between from our heritage to where we're going and that that purpose is a th- common thread that pulls through, that is already the first line of defense in that sense, right? Because when people understand where we're going, then they will also start marching in that direction, right? If you just say, we're going due north, well, there are a lot of ways. There is a due north, of course, but then some people might stray off off the sides, walk around um, barriers and so on and so forth. But but what you just have to say is, is like, look, this is the course. This is this is the purpose. These are the three attributes we want to build against. And now, now let's craft the messages underneath. And so, this is where you then get in more into marketing processes or brand processes, where you have teams in place that, you know, check the marketing material that's going out. Does it does the ladder up to those strategy points and so on and so forth? So, I don't know if that answers the question because I know this is a it's a huge topic. No, it's a huge topic, and I think you you did. Uh, I, I love asking that question because it's a really hard question. So sorry about that, but oh, I think please. I think it's a great question because there are a lot of marketers that don't know how to start sometimes or where to where to go. And I think you captured it really well because setting up that framework and communicating it. Because one of the things that one of the things you just said, and it's just crazy talk, is that internal communication of the brand is important. You know. <laughs> That's like some people skip that. And I think skipping that step is fatal. Getting everyone on the same page and not just having the marketing and the brand people do it on their own. Yeah. Um, brand is is the responsibility of every single employee. And I think that's what a lot of you know, a lot of people forget. They, they think it's something just just the advertising department does or just the graphic designers when in fact you said it again, you said it just before, like it's every single touch point, right? It's every single interaction that a customer has with a company, with a brand that la- that creates a lasting impression. Um, and that, that impression is the, is, 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 is what we need to make sure that we control and we ensure that there's always a good experience and that that's why everyone has to be bought in on the brand. And so a strong brand, um, you can build strong brands on the outside, but it's not long lasting. It, it, it will crumble if the inside, meaning employees, do not resonate with the brand, do not believe in the brand or the purpose. Um, so that's why I do believe in the long run, strong brands come from within. Um, and you can see that very oftentimes in you know, big legacy brands. If you talk to the employees, you know, they're all a little bit, you know, like crazy about their company, which is great because that shows that, you know, they, I mean, I, I, I left Amex and I'm still a, true blue Amex person, huge fan, because, you know, you just, you love the brand. Yeah. I think, I think a few things you just touched on are so key and I'm really glad you talked about them because having evangelists and having people truly believe in it and having internal brand expression and everyone understanding takes effort and it takes clarity, but it also takes truth. It has to be real. So you can't, branding is not smoke and mirrors. It's, you know, it's not, branding isn't advertising. It's not a thing you do. It's the truth. It's where you shine a light and you, where you're shining it better be true. I, I, I love that. I love that, Steve. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's the truth or you have to show up in a genuine way, especially today. I mean, today, uh, especially younger consumers, they're ruthless in that sense that they will see through it. They will see through it. If you're trying to be someone that you're not, 
and you're not being genuine in the way you show up, um, that's that's also sometimes the you know the end of a lot of good brands because they try to go down this trend road just because it's popular, but then they lose sight of their core reason, their purpose, and you can't just show up differently just because that's what you know it's the trend of the time. Yeah, one of my favorite marketers and or brand marketers and brand leaders that I had on the podcast, Patricia Corsi, who's the CMO of Bear, the global CMO of Bear, and. The way she talks about brand purpose captures a lot of what you said about how it's not about jumping on every trend. It's not about just because something's hot, all of a sudden you're talking about it. It's about being who you are and talking about being passionate about the things that your brand is passionate about and supporting those. So I think, you know, everything aligns when, when it's real, when it's true, and when you can prove it. And and it's reflected in behavior. Let me ask you a couple of questions that are just sort of a little a little bit about you as we as we start to come towards the end of our uh, our time together here today. Um, so, what's something you've changed your mind about as as you've moved through your career? What's something that you've like that you used to think is true that now you're like, eh, maybe not. I guess I was a little bit of a uber idealist in the way the way I looked at the world, very black or white kind of thing. Um, and one of the things that when I was in university, I would, I remember I was like, I'm never going to work for a financial institution no way. You know, I, I was like, I'm not going to work for the machine kind of thing and thought I'm going to work for cool, fun brands. And well, then it changed. Obviously once I went into, um, once I joined American express later on in my career, um, I just learned how it, it doesn't come down to necessarily the industry within the industry, you can have amazing organizations that are doing things in different ways. And even within certain brands that you might think are, Oh my God, these, you know, they are 150 years old or whatever. And, uh, you know, they don't know what to do. Every company, if they're investing in, in thinking forward and, and new, new ways of marketing and brands, um, they have their team of, of experts that are really pushing the thinking, pushing the agenda internally. And, and if you can get into those teams, it doesn't matter the industry, it doesn't matter the company, it, it really matters about the teams you can be with. And um, those are the ones that are the fun places to be. And so that's my shift and change is like, now I won't discredit any industry. Um, I will just, if, if, if the team sounds cool and the projects that they're working sounds cool, and it, get, it excites me. I'll dive right into it. That's cool. I love that. I think that like that's one of the things when, when you're young, you definitely know. You know, you know an awful lot, don't you? Oh yeah, you, you know every, yeah, you have everything. You just know. figured out. <laughs> yeah, you got to figure it out. I'd never ever do that or think about that. And then as you get some experience, you're like, man, I was so arrogant. Oh, totally. I I, I admit it. I didn't yeah. have to figure out at all. Well, you know, it it takes a long time, and maybe we never do, but we certainly get better at it. So what would you name, you know, I know you've just started a, a new gig and you've got a lot going on. You're, you're in the middle of moving. What would you name this chapter of your life right now? Oh, oh, that's cool. I guess it would be, well, on the one hand it's change, but I think change is not like, it's more um, pushing limitations. I'm right now, uh, so I'm in my, in my early 40s and I am focused on seeing how far, how how far I can push it in terms yeah. of my capabilities, my skills. 
Um, I've learned from such great brands and great organizations, and I've acquired really you know good skills that I I want to bring to the forefront. So. Um, working with teams and, and people and, and companies that um, want to see how far we can go with certain things and seeing what am I capable of is, is what, from a professional standpoint, where I am in life. Um, and I'm just excited about that. And then just in general, I think um, I'm also, when it comes to just on the personal side, my wife and I, were, we're seeking to you know, travel and work remotely, take take advantage of um, this remote first kind of world we're in. I mean, it's exciting. It has its pros and cons, of course, but, you know, we, we want to discover. So actually, that's maybe the right term, discovery. It's this part is all about discovery. Yeah, it sounds like it. it sounds like you're in a really cool phase that's discovery and, and pushing through to new adventures and new horizons. And Dude, that's super cool. I'm really happy for you. You know, you can kind of, you can tell it's talking to you because you have this like really bright, adventurous energy, and it's just. Uh, oh, I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's just a really cool thing. I'm really happy for you. That's where you are. Let me give you a sentence to finish as we start to wrap up here. If you weren't, if you weren't a brand manager, what would you be? A teacher. Really? That's cool. Yeah, a teacher. I was I was thinking of being a teacher, but then uh, I thought, well, maybe you know, as a in corporate, I make more money. <laughs> <laughs> as a kid that's the way I, that's the way i was thinking but right. um i do i do love to teach so well i'm sure as a brand manager you spend a lot of time teaching you know <laughs> that's another Try thing to. you can tell you yeah you can tell your parents that and then they'll be like oh he's a teacher i'm so proud yeah i'm a teacher on the side too yeah I just, i'm just teaching people how to deal with this brand um yeah that's pretty cool for you in marketing and brand it's such a huge topic there's so many nuance so much nuance to it what is a must must read or a must watch or must listen for you? What would you recommend for other people that inspires you? I mean, I mean, okay, some some things just came up to mind. Of course, I'm like, all right, starting off, I'm a big Star Wars nerd, so yeah, I bring a lot. Of, I, I I find a lot of inspiration from from Star Wars, from the storytelling to thinking what role does the, if we were one of the figures as a brand, which figure would we be? Oh, that's cool. Um, okay. So I, 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 I associate a lot with there, but some, some recent, some more recent shows that I think, you know, um, I was quite like, I, I, like I'm just interested from a brand story perspective is also like things like uh, inventing Anna um, and on Netflix. It's just, the power of storytelling. I mean, yes, it's a con artist, of course, but at the end of the day, if you think about what she was doing, she was building a brand, she was building her brand and she was telling a story. Now, obviously you do not want to be associated with telling lies, but I mean, what I, what I, what I thought was just, uh, it's just incredible. It's just the power of storytelling and the power of persuasion um, and what that means to building brands. I love that. I, you know, the, it's interesting when you, when I ask, people and brand that question a lot of times they come back with movies and things yeah. in culture yeah. and not books <laughs> and things like that because they're ingesting these things and and I, i'm not judgmental about stories because a, a good story is a good story like so inventing anna compared to a star wars story compared to really any story like you know andor that's out right now is really quite well done because the writing is so good oh my it god actually I love it. respects the audience but yes. that's one of the things that people in brand do and say ingest stories and they learn from them. I'm a visual learner too. I'm a very much a visual person. So um, when I tackle like challenges, I tend to, I'm a whiteboard, sticky notes, 
putting it all out there, creating chaos. And then in or in my chaos, I then find order, right? Um, I create order and that's, that's the way I digest information. So yes, movies, images, all, all the things I love. That's really cool. Well, I, I encourage people to do that too. Watch and just, you know, watch great movies, watch new movies, watch old movies. Mm-hmm. The more stories you put in, the better you are as a storyteller. Yeah. You know, like I, I love stories. So last question, because I do have to let you go at some point, even though I think we could probably <laughs> talk all day. Um, if you could give your younger self any advice, what advice would you give? Just have fun. I think I, that's what I would say. Just have fun. Don't take things too serious. Uh, mistakes happen. You know, it's not the end of the world. And lean into it, really. Um, I think one thing I've learned over the years is if you try to control your destiny too much, you tend to be get disappointed or you tend to miss the opportunities that actually present themselves. And so if you lean into the flow of things, if you lean into it and not be too afraid of misstepping, saying something wrong, then most of the times good will come out of it and, and you will find your way. Oh man, I wish I could talk to myself now. Oh, ah. I know. Wouldn't that be weird if you could go back and tell that knucklehead that? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Like, same guy that thought he all figured out exactly what yeah. industries he would work in. Absolutely. Yeah. Now that was a great answer. I I love those. Sometimes we pull those those answers, the younger self question out of different guests we've had, and they're all just really eloquent, you know. And that was a great one because I think you hold on to things too tightly and they slip right through your hands, you know. And just like you do that to yourself as well. Well, man, thank you so much for being here today. Hey, Steve, thanks for having me. I mean, this has been such a pleasure, and I really appreciate you uh, just taking the time to speak all this nerdy brand stuff with me. So I loved it. Want to hear more inspiring stories? Subscribe on your preferred podcast app so you don't miss an episode. And if you like what we're doing, please rate, review, and share. It's the best way to support us. Thank you for listening to Brand Story. Brand Story.